0: If you would please turn with me to Mark 16. Mark chapter 16. Last Sunday was very powerful. And if you were not with us last Sunday, I would encourage you to go back to the archive on the website, faithheights.org. And check out last Sunday's message. I believe it's entitled, God Needs Us Prospering. But the specific title of last week, if there's a caption under the main title, would be this. Obedience to God requires we prosper. And we talked about that extensively, how you can't, we can't even fully obey the Lord if we're not believing some prosperity into our lives. Even just to get here today, the Bible says, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. Well, how, how do you go get the church if you don't have some prosperity? You're going to need some wheels. You're going to need somebody who has some prosperity. If you, you know, right. It takes money to do the will of God. Right. And that's a revelation a lot of people just don't quite see. But the devil knows it. The devil knows that a broke church isn't going to get very many people to heaven. Right. Amen. Oh, right. A broke church is not going to get many people healed. The devil knows that the outreach to this world is directly dependent upon the health of the church. Strong church, strong evangelistic outreach. Can I put it like this just to get right down to where it really matters? Strong church, more people in heaven. Broke church, less people in heaven. Do you ever think about prosperity as a tool to help get people to Jesus, to help get people to heaven? People say, well, I just prosperity's just not important. Tell that to the man who was watching Christian television that cost thousands of dollars to produce, who got born again, and then his whole family got born again because he got born again hearing a preacher that had enough money to go on TV. Tell him prosperity is not important. To him it's as, it's as important as heaven or hell. Tell tell all these kids, you know, we support Feed the Hungry. They minister to kids all over the world, but especially in third world nations. They feed them. They they bring them food because Lester Sumrall got the revelation as he was praying. He said, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And the Lord said to Lester Sumrall, my children are praying that prayer, and I'm calling you to answer it. Go give them their daily bread. Go give them food. So he bought a big airplane, has cargo planes, flies all kinds of food. We support them. And tell a child who's alive today because they got some food from somebody that had some prosperity that money's not important prosperity's not important they'd be dead today it costs money to buy cargo planes and fill them packed up with food see it depends on where your head's at it depends on what your philosophy is or what your beliefs are you if the increase if 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 god if prosperity increases in some churches, I'm just gonna say it as simple as I can, there'll be more people in heaven. Because we'll get on more TV time. Right? We'll have more outreach. We'll have more staff to take care of more people. Right? We'll have more outreach. Arms of outreach is everywhere. Branches like a tree, just going all over the place, getting people saved, healed, and delivered. I said this last week, and we'll say it again. This church has no shortage of vision. There's enough vision out there to keep us busy till Jesus comes. But there has been a shortage of prosperity. And this is one of the reasons God sent Keith Moore, our number one divine connection in the earth realm, to this church at the end of June this year to teach us that it's God's will that we prosper and how to do it. Now, when, when I started hearing him teach the first message on Thursday night, I was thinking, oh, this will be good, cool, you know, I like prosperity. But by the time it was over, I realized this is more than cool. The Lord's trying to tell us something. He said, I've got some things to do, and I can't do them unless the church believes in prosperity and puts prosperity principles into practice. I cannot do what I want to do in the Grand Valley if somebody isn't believing me for more prosperity. Because it takes money to go to all the world and preach the gospel. It takes money. It takes money to reach this valley. I don't even know if we put a little dent yet in this valley. And the Lord said, it's ours. We're supposed to take it and, and get people saved. We're supposed to do everything we can to reach every person in this valley with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only in word, but in deed. And that takes money. And the Lord doesn't like to cut corners and He's not cheap. So we're not going to believe Him for the, the biggest sales. Amen. <laughs> right? Right? I remember one time I was seeking the Lord about these things. Actually, we were, we were doing a project in the church, a faith project, and we were cutting corners and we were you know, doing a bunch of things to save money. And you talk about hard to raise the money for that project. I don't know if we ever would have got that project done. But then we backed up and said, you know no, let's don't cut corners. Let's, let's, actually, let's actually up the quality of what we're doing here. Let, let's bring some professionals on the scene who really know how to do some of these things because they've you know, done it for 20 years. And let's let's get it was the roof on the, it was the roof, and let and when we upped it like two to three times more, the money came in because we weren't cutting corners. It was easier to believe God for sixty thousand than it was to believe God for twenty five thousand, because God can't get behind cheap. He gets behind quality. It's actually easier to believe for quality things for His work than cutting every corner because he doesn't I mean he's he's a god of excellence. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. He's an excellent God. He does things in an excellent manner. That's why King David said, when we build this house for the Lord, it's going to be a palace. Cuz it's for him. So, in uh, Mark 16 and verse 15. Obviously, you already know the title. God needs us prospering. Last week, the subtitle was, Obedience to God Requires We Prosper Some. Mark 16, are you there? Look at verse 15. Jesus said unto them, last words of Jesus, before he ascended to the Father, which are probably some of the most important words he ever spoke. This is it, guys. Before I go, get this. I know you've heard a lot of teachings in the last three and a half years. Get this before I go. All that teaching that I gave you, it it culminates to this. Right? The last words of somebody before they leave and go to heaven are probably pretty important. He's basically summing up his three and a half years as everything I've been talking to you about points to this. All right? You heard all my teachings on love and faith, it points to this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is going to take a lot of resources. Now we know he's not just talking to the twelve apostles here because all the world includes Grand Junction and they weren't able to get to Grand Junction let alone Colorado or the continent of America in those days. So they can't do this without us, and this is not just spoken to them. It's spoken to us, because Grand Junction, I don't know if you noticed, but we are on the map. Yeah. <laughs> We're a part of the world. Yeah. Right? So, this is to us. Every believer, every believer, if they want to be happy and successful and have peace in their heart, and not, you know, every believer needs to be involved with this, and this needs to be numero uno, priority in every believer's life or there'll be room for depression in your life. You know where this isn't other things is. Amen. Right. There's a there's a there's something there's a there's a space on the inside of you for this. And if this ain't in there, something else is and it's probably not real good. Amen. Are you listening? You and I were born to be a part of this. Don't ask your brain if what I'm saying to you is right right now. Look to your heart. You know in your heart that you were born for a greater purpose than just spinning around in this life and dying and going to heaven. Right? Come on, man. This, this, is, this is why a lot of people are sad and depressed. They're not doing what they were born again to do. If you're not, there's, there's a space on the inside of you that only this purpose can fulfill. Go to all the world and preach the gospel. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again since a lot of you weren't here. That most people in the body of Christ are not going to do what I'm doing right now. But that doesn't mean what you're supposed to do is of any less importance or will be less rewarded. It won't be. You should. Most of the body of Christ is called to help send Those that are called to preach. And the sender gets the same rewards as those that are sent if they're faithful in what they're called to do. The Bible talks about not everybody is sent by God to preach. But the Bible does say everybody should be involved with the preaching of the gospel in one way or the other. Are you following? most people and here's the thing you can get excited about being in the ministry and never get behind the pulpit because there is a ministry of sending there is a ministry of supporting business people that are called to be businessmen you need to be excited that you're right where god wants you and you are i mean seek the lord but you're right where god wants because he wants businessmen He's gifted businessmen, for some reason, to make a lot of money. They just know how to do it. If that's not connected with this, you're unfulfilled, dissatisfied, angry. But if what you're doing is connected with this, you will find joys and, and peace that you can't get any other way than being involved in going to all the world and preaching the gospel. We have a valley to reach. We have a lot of visions on the burners that need to be in working order. They need to be happening. Now, I wanted to say this to you again. When Keith Moore came here, he taught three messages on it's God's will that we as a church prosper. I mean, he could have taught on a thousand amazing Bible subjects. Why did he teach on that? Because God is smarter than us. Right. We think we want to hear, you know, on the Antichrist, the end times, or faith to move mountains, or, and those are great, wonderful. But for some reason, the Lord wanted to tell us as a church, hey church, it's my will that you prosper, that you come up from where you're at. And don't just think about yourself. Do you ever think about prospering for somebody else's sake? I mean, if we can and we don't, Why? Are we just thinking about us? Come on guys, remember, remember this word. If God can't get prosperity to you, you know, because of thinking, well, it's not that important or, you know, there's more important. If God can't get it to you, he can't get it through you. We are vessels. He wants to get these things through us. I answered a question on they asked the pastor what we do Monday through Friday and I don't think it's been aired yet, but it will be this week, I think. I answered a question on Why are so many pastors and preachers teaching and preaching on prosperity when there's more important things in the Word to teach on? I let them have it. (laughs) In love. I said, well, first of all, the Bible says the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. Is pleasing God very important or is that just a side issue? Come on, if you're a believer, pleasing God is a huge deal. And the Bible says he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Not just his children who are doing their own thing. His servants. Amen. Those that favor his righteous cause, which is this. Amen. Somewhere, somehow, we need to be involved with this if we want to be favoring his righteous cause. And so I told him, I said, I said listen, well, one reason they probably preach on it and teach on it because they want to get people pleasing God. And one of the things that pleases the Lord, Psalm 35, 27, is the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. Even if you don't like prosperity, even if you don't want to prosper, out of respect to God because you want to please Him, you need to believe in it. Don't ask yourself what you want. Why do we ask ourselves what we want at all? Jesus said, I never ask myself what I want. I always do the will of Him that sent me. He never once woke up in the morning and said, Oh, I wonder what I want to do today. Life's too short to live like that. There are rewards. There are things we can do to impact lives for eternity. I mean, as we were at Ruthie's two or or three days ago, Ruthie, you helped us so much. We got to sit with you for two and a half hours and some of the wisdom you shared with us was life-changing and the church needs to hear it today. And one of the things we heard and got out of that meeting that we caught out of that meeting is that You just don't have time for a lot of these other things that people seem to have time for because you know life is short. Ruthie's been on this earth for over 100 years. She knows some things. And one of the things we got out of that was, you know what, guys? You need to reevaluate everything you think you like and everything you're doing and make sure that it's connected to winning souls, glorifying Jesus, and actually going to mean something when this life is over. You know, you start thinking about eternity and you start thinking about the love of God and souls and rewards in the next life, you start realizing TV time isn't as important as I thought it was. Surfing the internet for hours isn't as important as I thought it was. You know what I just I found out? That psychologists have discovered and realized and, and done all their studies, they realize that the more you watch TV, the more tired you are in life. And I think it's because your brain goes into the relaxed mode. And weak brain equals weak life. Right. Mm-hmm. You think for me. You, you think for me. You, you tell me what to think. You tell, that's called laziness mentally. And it makes you weak. The more TV you watch, the weaker you are. Think for yourself. Look, instead of the television, what about his vision? For your, what if you set that before you for two hours every night? You'll own, you own things. You, you, you'll be the head and not the tail. Amen. But another thing the psychologist said is if you the more you watch TV, the less self-esteem you have. Wow. am wow. always thinking somebody else is better, I guess. Or, wow, look at these people and I'm just here in my little chair. And... But even, if, even the psychologist didn't say that. Time's too short. Yep. Heaven's too real hell's too hot to be wasted any more time. Is that right? Come on, man. There's things at stake here. We, and I know some people you know, they think, well, I'm just not that interested in rewards in the next life. You say that now. What about when you're in the next life and King David comes flying up in a golden chariot of fire and steps out and receives rewards in front of the entire world? All the saved people. Huh? and then Joshua and then somebody else you knew who sat next to you in church and then when it gets to you you get this little thing little trophy <laughs> hey you're saved praise God but I'm telling you you may say rewards don't matter to you right now but you say that now wait till you're in that real meeting in that real place more aware of life than you are right now and rewards are being handed out the only thing that's going to follow us to heaven, the book of Revelation says, is the works that we did for the Lord while we were on the earth. Right. Do you know the Lord wasn't just telling us a sweet little, uh, you know, f- fictional story when He said, if you're faithful, you may be a ruler over ten cities? Did you know that? I mean, know there's going to be cities in the new earth? High tech. Diamonds and gold sparkling everywhere. No, no night. Power, glory, colors like you've never known. Transportation like you've never known. I liked it when one, one young man got to go see heaven. He was eight years old. The Lord took him to heaven and gave him a tour of heaven. He said, I'm doing this, Roberts, because I love you. And he gave him a tour of heaven. He said, when I got, he said, I was on my bed and this pole pulled me out of my body. I just got done playing baseball. Little eight-year-old boy. And he says, a supernatural pole came out of the ceiling and pulled me out of my body. And I said, I found myself flying over the state of Texas. And then Denmark and Sweden, just like that. And then, boom, I passed out of the Earth's atmosphere. And I went through the second heaven, you know, where demon spirits rule and reign for a little bit. And then he said he found himself in the third heaven where God lives. And he said, "I, I stopped before a gate. He said it was so glossy I could hardly look at it. Pearl. He said, the gate didn't go. He said, the highest tech things you could. he said, with, with great high technology, went straight up in the air. He said, it looked like a mile long. And he said, I saw Jesus coming toward me. And, and the little boy said, after he was giving his testimony, when he came back to earth, he said, I saw Jesus and I looked in his eyes. He didn't have to say a word. You could tell he had power. And he said, called the boy's name and said, I just wanted to give you a tour of heaven today because I love you so much. And then he gave him a tour of heaven, and it's an amazing story. I don't believe all heaven stories. If they don't line up with the Bible and they're just a bunch of flash and fluff, I don't believe them. But if there's scripture to back them up, I believe them. Anyway, I I said all that. Why? (laughs) Heaven's a real place. That's right, and hell's hot. Right. And eternity is serious. And we need to take these things serious. Please turn with me to... Well, did you get this scripture now? Was it up there long enough? Go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do you think that's going to cost any money? Yeah, it's going to cost money. You know, some people, some minister friends of ours pay a million dollars a month for television time. But they're getting people saved. What if they didn't believe in prosperity? Well, either somebody else would have to take their place and do their job for them, or people won't make it to heaven. Serious stuff. Oh, I know, we gotta get back to this. Hold on. So so I was answering the question, they asked the pastor question, and the other thing I believe the Lord told me to tell the people in listening land was, you know what? You know what people? Listen, listen. You know what? Prosperity in and of itself may not be the most important thing, but if it's connected to winning souls, it is now super duper important. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say it like it is. If this church would believe in prosperity more, we'd see more people in heaven. If we don't, we're not going to see some people in heaven. Unless the Lord brings another church around and does our job for us, which I am not going to let happen. They can join hands with us, but they don't need to do it for us. So turn now to 1 Corinthians 12. Prosperity is not an option if we're going to reach our valley. Do you know when our priorities are right, the increase will come? Did you know that, church? And I'm not talking about you getting three other jobs and prospering. We're talking about prospering supernaturally. Don't, don't go off on a tangent and think, I've got to prosper more because God wants me to and my tithes got to increase or whatever. No, no, listen. If the Lord tells you to work more, do it. But a lot of times, it's, it's just the tithing and the sowing and the reaping added to what you're doing that's going to supernaturally bring increase to your life. But like I said earlier in the offering, you've got to believe these scriptures are working. Once in a while, you've got to dance like it's being given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Once in a while, you got to laugh like God's opening the windows of heaven upon you. Actually, I was corrected. The Lord said, you got to do it more than once in a while. you got to yeah. do it all the time. If you're going to walk by faith, it is a full-time job in this backwards world that is not going the faith in God route. Right? Come on, when our priorities are right, the increase can come. And we'll read that scripture in just a minute. First Corinthians twelve twenty one. Well, Pastor, I just disagree with you. God doesn't need anything. God's a God. God's Almighty. God's Omnipotent. God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need anything. Well, just keep revealing your ignorance, and we'll listen until you're done talking. But the Bible says otherwise. God doesn't need us to be God. No. God doesn't need us to be happy. But God needs us if His great commission is going to be fulfilled in the earth of going to all the world and preaching the gospel. What does it say here? Jesus is talking in this whole chapter about we, the church, individually are members of the body of Christ. Just like a human body has many members, the family of God has many members, and it's called the body of Christ. And it says in Ephesians that Jesus is the head of the body. We are the body. Neck down. You know what I'm saying? So, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Well, you do if that body's ever going to do anything worthwhile in life. Your hand needs your eye, your eye needs your hand. Yes. But he also said, nor again can the head say to the feet, I don't need you. Who's the head? Jesus. Does he need you? Yes. Does he need you believing certain things that you don't want to believe? Yes. In fact, he does. If you don't want to believe everything, he needs you switching your beliefs and start believing what he wants you to believe. Do you ever think about asking yourself the question, how rich does God want me? Most people ask themselves that question. You might be surprised of what he wants to bring you up to. Somebody says, well, prosperity will ruin people. You should preach on more spiritual things. Let me quote your scripture, because you're half right and half wrong. Prosperity, the Bible says, ruins fools. Are you judging everybody else as a fool by saying prosperity is not for you? Usually what that is, usually that's a sign that you're a fool. And because you're a fool, you think everybody else is like you. That's usually the way it works. The Bible says in Titus, to him that's defiled, nothing is pure. You can get to a point of defilement because of a hurt or somebody doing you wrong and not getting it right, you know, and just going on in unforgiveness. You can get to a point where everything is wrong. But it all started with a root somewhere that you never got fixed like you're supposed to get fixed. I thought that was interesting. To him that's defiled, Nothing is pure. That spouse of mine, the economy, my pastor, can't believe he wore that kind of tie. I can't believe the pastor lives in such a nice house. I don't think that's right. How about if I gave it to you? Would that be okay? How about if I gave you the house? You don't think I should? Would that be okay if I gave it to you? Well, now it's not so bad, is it? Hmm. <laughs> Only when I have it, it's bad. But if I gave it to you, paid for, it wouldn't be bad, would it? Right. Then why is it bad for me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to preach the gospel and get people to heaven. Amen. Maybe I should sell computer chips instead. Then you wouldn't be mad. <laughs> You're right. Why could, a, why could a veterinarian have a nice house and a pastor can't? Last I checked, human beings are a tad bit more important than the animal kingdom. I love animals. I, I, every time I see that commercial on TV, I give, man, I give. The little puppy and the song, and it's like, I give, man. I, I just every time I go to Petsmart, I give. But human beings are a little more important than even animals. A lot more. Yes. Is it okay if your pastor has a nice house? Is it okay? Come on, if it's not, I'll go to veterinarian school and I'll become a veterinarian so I can have a nice <laughs> you know if you were if you were to go up to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Solomon, David, King Uzziah, if you were to go up to these people and tell them prosperity is not that important and it may not be God's will for you, they would laugh. They were very wealthy and the Lord made them wealthy. And isn't it interesting that the richest man in the world, worth over two trillion dollars, Okay, little, just what we did on Friday night. Let me just tell you what that is, okay? 2 trillion dollars is 999 billion times 2 plus a couple. Yeah. 999 billion plus 2 plus a couple. Over 2 billion. A 2 trillion, over 2 trillion dollars. I thought it was interesting that the richest man in the world was a servant of God. A little plug for serving God there. Well, Pastor, I'm saved. What else does the Lord expect? He expects you to live for Him, not just float to heaven. Come on. Because you got a ticket. He he expects us to live for Him till we get to heaven. Uh, Isn't that interesting? The richest man in the world was a servant of God. Oh, wonder if there's any connection. <laughs> you know there was. Big connection. You know, you know what's so interesting? In 1 Kings chapter 3, the Bible says that the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream in Gibeon. Mm-hmm. And the Lord asked him in the dream. It kind of reminds me of Aladdin and the genie. Mm. Where the genie said, Three witches, except this, this, and this. Anything you want. But God's not a genie. He's the creator of all things. Amen. And he said, Solomon, Solomon, this is amazing because this was a dream from God. All dreams aren't from God, but this one was. And he said, Solomon, he said, ask me anything and I'll give it to you and do it for you. Now this, his answer, Solomon's answer to this question is why he's the richest man in the world and will always be until Jesus comes. Amen. The Lord said, you ask anything. Solomon could <laughs> said, Take $2 trillion. That's what I want. Interesting he didn't ask for it, but he got it. Oh, that's really interesting. So, like I said earlier, right? You eliminate a ton of prayers if you just seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. So Solomon, he's thinking, okay, I can have the necks of my enemies under my foot. I could have a long life. I could live to 300 years old. God said, ask whatever I want. I could say, give me the planet, Lord. I want that. Right? He, you know what Solomon said he wanted? This is why he was a trillionaire. This is why he's loved of God. This is why the Lord loved him. In a special way. Solomon said, Lord, I, out of everything I could ask, I'm asking this. Help me to take care of your people. I know a lot of you are thinking, He blew it! He blew it! Oh my... He didn't blow it. Let me, let me just say this. You'd rather... God be on your side, than own the entire world. Because this world is a speck to what He's created. Okay, so oh come on, think about it. He said, "Lord, I'm I'm like a little child. You know, I'm, I know I'm the next king. I know my father David has passed away, and I'm the next king. And I'm like a little child. I don't even know how to go out or come in. So I need I need help, God. I need an understanding heart. I need you to help me to help your people." That touched the heart of God. You know what the Lord said? You got it. You're going to have such wisdom, nobody before you or after you is going to have the wisdom like you had it. Mm -mm. And you're going to have an understanding heart. You're going to rule these people powerfully because I'm going to give you what you asked for. But because you asked for that, you're also going to be the richest man the world's ever seen. And he promised him a few other things that he didn't ask for because his heart was right. His heart was into the first scripture we, in our day, we would interpret as he cared for what God cared about. He wanted what God wanted. He hated what God hated. He wanted what God wanted. And that, guys, is God now being your business partner. Uh (laughs) Right? And now you are going to come up because God's on your side. Turn with me to Psalm 35. We've got to wrap it up here. Psalm 35 and verse 27. Psalm 35, 27, the Bible says, Let them shout for joy. So once in a while, we should be shouting for joy. And be glad. This is the Lord talking. People shout for joy. Be glad if you favor my righteous cause. All right, you favor my righteous cause, then be glad about it. Yes, let them say continually. Let the people of God say continually. What should we be saying continually? And what should we be believing continually? The Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. Got that? Notice the words, favor His righteous cause and servant. If you favor God's righteous cause, which we know is go to all the world and preach the gospel. Somehow be involved in that. Let that be your priority in life. And if you're His servant to do your part, to see to it that that gets done... Whether you're a sent one or whether you're one that's helping send or support or whatever. If you're involved with this, God is pleased to turn up the volume of prosperity in your life. He's pleased to make you rich. Rich is simply having more than enough to abound to every good work after your needs are taken care of. God wants to bring us all to this place. God is not opposed to his servants being rich. He's opposed to them being covetous. God is not opposed to his people being rich. He's opposed to them being covetous. Can I get a witness?